Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, Scott Gardner and Michael Bailey now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back to the bins. podcast contains spoilers for the movie Thor. So if you haven't seen it and you listen anyways, I don't feel bad for you at all. Thor dies at the end. Aww. <laughs> Did we ruin the movie? Yoda dies at the end. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Welcome back everybody to Back to the Bins in a special episode. So special that Scott Gardner, who is the co-host for the show. Hi, Scott. Hey! And I am Michael Bailey, and we are bringing on to the show today a man who is no stranger to bathroom stalls in Studio 54 and the show, Chris Honeywell. I'm no stranger than you. <laughs> and we also... Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> you Richard O'Brien-looking motherfucker. Um... <laughs> Also, for the first time on the show, and uh, I don't know who this guy is, he just popped up and said, I like the show. I'm paying him back for all the times he gives me crap on From Crisis to Crisis. Can I please come on? Everybody, welcome Jeffrey Taylor. Yay! I'm swell. <laughs> you know, Jeffrey... Better than swelling. <laughs> there's not a lot of people who are comfortable using that word anymore. Really? What word? Swell. Oh, I always thought it was kind of natural. <laughs> and we're dorks. Yes, <laughs> Scott uses huh. keen. Keen. I love that word. That's one of my favorite words. Scott also likes hustler barely legal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like spiffy. <laughs> it's got to be like the worst porn magazine ever if it's called. It's like 20s porn. <laughs> <laughs> and jugs. <laughs> <laughs> with two g's yes you know, double g <laughs> as I we mentioned oh, sorry go like, ahead sir i only read the highbrow stuff like drunk cheerleaders <laughs> <laughs> so this is yet another summer where a thousand comic book films are coming out there's four this year I think there's going to be four next year, too, between uh, Dark Knight Rises, which is like the worst title ever. Um, yeah, the, uh, dude, the... why did you... Oh, why did you even have to bring this episode in with a mention of that crap? But I'm yeah. sorry. Don't worry, that's going to be a porno movie quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> Title's up three quarters there. Three quarters erect. Do you want me to refer to it as the movie that dare not speak its name? Yes, <laughs> that works. I, I, I can totally live with that. Just call it uh, Voldemort. We have... Uh, <laughs> here's an inside joke I don't get. Um, we got The Amazing Spider-Man next year. We've got The Avengers. And at the end of the year, Man of Steel. So, uh, But this year, the comic book movie experience was kicked off with... And it should have really been called this Kenneth Branagh's Thor. <laughs> like his Hamlet. Actually, you, you know what? You say that and, and you just made me realize that I, I didn't even have a qualm with this until you said that it should have had a different name. I actually would have, would have liked it if it had been called The Mighty Thor. That's a very minor quibble and I didn't even miss it till now. But I really wish it had been called Mighty Thor. But I could see that. I mean, yeah, it, I could it, see that too. Yeah. Um. It been kind of like calling the next Iron Man film the Invincible Iron Man. So. Yeah. Or Amazing so. Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. That's well, true. that's what they're doing, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
But um, but then the sequel is going to have to be Spectacular Spider-Man, and the one after that will have to be Sensational Spider-Man. <laughs> no, I think they'll go Web of, because that came out first. And then they'll have to do Adjectiveless Spider-Man, and they'll call it Adjectiveless Spider-Man. That's <laughs> hard to pronounce. I'm, I'm looking forward to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I'm but looking you forward would... to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, the animated series. I would... I would suffer hand, through yes. every one of those movies if it eventually meant that there would be a Marvel team-up movie, you know? Like a, a string of Marvel team-up movies. Spider-Man and Conan. Yeah, any... Hell, I would... Oh, man, I think that would be awesome. I, it could I, be done. Yeah, I would love that. Spider-Man and Red Sonja. I mean, they could get a lot of mileage. There's a franchise that could have a lot of mileage right there as a, as a Marvel team-up movie franchise. That would rule. Spider-Man and the rest of the living members of the Not Ready for Primetime. <laughs> well, I was just well, I was just going to say it would just be one of the more modern. It would be some modern lineup of Saturday Night Live or something like that. Well, that's going to suck. So yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, yeah, but you know, it's going to be like Spider-Man meets Lady Gaga or something. It'll be just like you know, Batman She's and Robin and Scooby Doo meet Phyllis Diller. You know. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> Thor. <laughs> Lady Gaga is hot. That's that's my statement for the show. Betty White was hot. So, when she was younger, actually, you're right. In that, yeah, she was a pinup um, girl. Do we want to do this roundtable, or do we want to go one at a time with everyone talking about what they liked? I I movie? think we're doing great with all talking over each other at once. <laughs> the way we are. I vote free for all. <laughs> um. I'll, I'll I'll start off with with my my likes and dislikes. I really enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. I thought um, of all of the movies coming out this summer, this was the movie that I had the least amount of personal attachment to as a character because I really haven't read all that much Thor. I want to, uh, especially after hearing about what Dan Jurgens did in his run and this three year epic that he did that took it into the future and it sounds really cool. But having said that, the thing that made me excited about this film was Kenneth Branagh's involvement, because I am a huge fan of Kenneth Branagh. So when I sat down to watch the film, the first thing that I was struck with is, wow, what an amazing score. Uh, I love the score to this film. Uh, Patrick Doyle, who has done, I think, all of Kenneth Branagh's films, if I'm correct, uh, did a spectacular job of creating a feeling of epicness with the music. And right away, I was won over with this film when Thor walks on the screen uh, after the little flashback thing, and he's you know walking up basically to assume his 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 role on Asgard, and he's just smiling at everybody. It's almost like they should have been playing. Dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. He's walking down. <laughs> Like, you know, stabbed his fingers, pointing at the women, you know, you know, giving the little call me sign with the uh, the thumb and the, the pinky finger. This guy... You're playing, describing the scene in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> this guy, playing Thor, was the most charismatic son of a bitch I have ever seen in a superhero film ever. He, he like, told Robert Downey Jr. to sit down as Tony Stark. Right. Even when he was at his most arrogant, I liked this guy. <laughs> I can't wait to see the two of them share the screen. Oh, hell yes. That is yeah. great. Uh, the action in this movie was good. I loved the scenes on Earth, uh, especially when it was just Thor being human, like when he's sitting there and he finishes his cup of coffee and he throws the mug on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Uh, that's a favorite of mine, too. uh, I did not mind Natalie Portman in this because she was working with a director that knows what to do with her. Uh, Whereas some directors don't know what to do with her. And unfortunately, one of those directors produced six films that mean a lot to just about all of us. So, (laughs) sorry, George, you didn't know what to do with Natalie. (laughs) I blame Jar Jar. I think Uh we all know what to do with Natalie. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) I know we all were. (laughs) I need no instruction, but I'm happy to give it. (laughs) The the special effects were great. Uh, The only note I have about special effects, 
is we never got to see Thor fly up close. It was really weird. It was always this far away shot, which is one of my few criticisms of the film. But really, it was the action uh, that that sold me on the movie because the battle with the Frost Giants was epic when he goes and takes down just about every member of S.H.I.E.L.D., but does it in a smart way. It's not like he just walks in and takes on everybody that approaches him. He's really trying to... Um, to get away and just get to his hammer to get what he, you know, he's like, hey, that's all I need. And he has the fight with the big dude, which was just great. Um, neat thing about the action is while it was intense and you felt the hits, it wasn't that obnoxious. I have to break an arm just to show how hardcore we are in the fight scene. Um, now, before I forget, did anybody here see it in 3D? I refuse to see movies in 3D. No, yes. I did not. See, I didn't either. Green Lantern's the only movie I've ever seen in 3D. Well, with the exception of, like, Return of the Swamp Monster something <laughs> at one point. I think that's two different types of 3D, Jeffrey. It I, is I'm, two very different types of 3D, yes. I think I, that little poll said a hell of a lot about the 3D phenomenon, I must say. I'm, I'm, not, into the, I, I'm not into the post-3D. I'm more likely to see it in 3D if they made it with 3D cameras and, you know specifically produced it to be as that but well I, i'm kind of i don't screwed. think oh sorry i'm kind of screwed when it comes to 3d because i think i mentioned i don't know if i've mentioned it before in this show i'm farsighted in one eye and nearsighted in the other so even with glasses my brain is constantly trying to focus things and when you consider what the technology of 3d is which is basically tricking your mind into thinking something yeah. straight when it's not so you have my brain trying to adjust it to begin with and then you throw on a pair of 3d glasses and halfway through i start getting a headache because i my eyes are just like you know any second now we're just going to shut down and good luck fucker so yeah i was just telling my my friend the other day that i have this other friend who's you of course who can't see 3d because you have brain damage Well, that's okay. I was just telling someone the other day that you can't have kids because you had your balls chopped off. So, uh, so yeah, I, I I'm kind of wow. like that because you know I'm I'm reptilian in the left. No, no, like you with the eye thing, you know, because I'm <laughs> I am reptilian in the left brain and Ethel Merman in the right brain. So you know, it's just <laughs> 3D just doesn't work for me. Be swell. You'll oh. be great. Yeah, yeah, they have to drag him out of the theater and he's like, you know, he'll he'll find some like warm lady and wrap himself around her to like soak up her body heat and sing in her ear. He's going to tell it's, the police. It's a bad scene, yeah, and they don't they'd never buy the reptilian Ethel Merman thing too. I don't know why. You should get a note from your doctor, Scott, and carry it around. Really uh really Doug Hawkeye. Yes, totally. Uh, I did not know he was going to be in this. That was cool. So, and really, despite the, the fact that it was a little He-Man-ish, uh, the, scene where he gets the, the scene where he gets the hammer back is epic, and the music comes up, and the armor comes up, and he holds up the hammer, and he yells, I have the power, which just happened in my head. But I gotta <laughs> yeah. see, what, what sold me on this movie was the fact that I completely bought into the fall and rebirth of Thor, that not only was he banished by his father, but he can't pick up the hammer. And the scene where he can't pick up the hammer and just gives up is heartbreaking. It is just like, oh my god. And then Loki comes and says that, you know, father's dead, you're not allowed back into Asgard. And he's just kind of given up. So when he becomes a hero again, it's great. The other thing, last thing I'm really going to talk about outside of how awesome I thought Asgard looked was Loki was not an over-the-top villain. The actor they chose and the way they wrote that role, he played everything so close to the vest that if you didn't know Loki was the bad guy, it would have been a legitimate surprise to me that he was the one behind everything, basically. Because he doesn't play it like, I'm going to take over and everything's going to be well. <laughs> no, it's just, it, it was all very Shakespearean and cool. That's my feelings on the movie. I loved it. Loved it a lot. Cool. Who wants to run next? I'll go next. I'm a short one. Because <laughs> I'm pretty much right on line with Mike. 
Um, a big fan of Kenneth Branagh because he's a Shakespearean director type of guy, you know, doing your your art house movies. But at the same time, he doesn't have that attitude of I am a classical director or whatever. He's done. He's acted in Woody Allen movies, doing comedy. He's, Dead again. Yeah, and and he Loved he under, he understands different genres. So when it came to doing a, a comic book movie, he didn't go like Ang Lee and make. Well, Ang Lee still had comic book elements to it, but it, he turned it into an Ang Lee drama. It, it was Kenneth Art Branagh House comic book. Yeah, and 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 Kenneth Branagh made this. This is a popcorn movie, but it has enough. You know Shakespearean muscle behind it in the you know in the dealing with the Asgardians and stuff and that that whole story is very you know, I mean it's it's just got it that that's the way those stories are and he captures that really well, and then he makes Earth very plain. It's just a desert town basically is all you see a very low budget looking place. So he sort of. He melds highbrow and lowbrow and high budget and low budget together really well and made it very involving. Yeah, and, and, and Loki was, yeah, I really enjoyed how Loki was a very shaded character. And and yeah, if you didn't know the history of Loki, you, you, you it would have been a total surprise. And uh, I was very doubtful about the actor who who played Thor because he he basically looked like your your usual steroided up country singer sort of guy, and now I've come to find out he's Kirk's dad. Yep. So that's why that's that's why he's good, and uh, <laughs> he he pulled it off really well. He pulled off just enough enough pathos in his character and comedy, you know, in the fish out of water water scenes. I was. You know, I just I knew just enough about the you know the Thor story to hold it all together. You know, watching this, and uh, I I went in with zero with really low expectations. Maybe that helped, but yeah, I walked out of it going, yeah, Marvel is hitting them out of the park. They know how to make a fun movie. They're not trying to make you know the. the the Dark Knight or, you know, some award-winning movie. They're just making something fun. But Kenneth Branagh adds that extra bit of oomph to it without bleeding the fun out of it. That's what I love. That's what I'm loving about so far the comic movies of the, the summer is they're so far fun. <laughs> yes. Just what just what I want. From yeah, yeah comic I'll, I'll agree with that too. Same here. Yeah, most important element, yes. And it looks like it's fun right down the line. I haven't seen Green Lantern yet, but for the horrible reviews it's getting, it looks like it could be. It looks like it could be amusing in the like Fantastic Four sort of level, maybe of. of um, I I think it's much better than Fantastic Four. I, I was about to say, as much as I liked Fantastic Four, it did, especially the first one. It felt more like a pilot television pilot than a than a big budget movie mm-hmm. in, in terms of the scope. Green Lantern thinks big. And it's not dark, it's not depressing, it's a lot of fun. There are some problems with the film, but overall, I just had a freaking ball sitting there watching this movie. So, yeah, so which I'm, of the two would you would you rate higher? Um, I would. Here's the weird thing: I would rate Thor as a better movie in terms of from beginning to end, the pacing, the acting, because. The problem with Ryan Reynolds is is he has two modes. He has, I'm the cockiest son of a bitch in the room right now. Or, I'm going to sit there with a hangdog look on my face and act dejected. And it's not that it's bad, it's just he doesn't have a lot of range as an actor. So, as a film, Thor is better. From pure enjoyment of sitting there watching a movie, I list both the same. Because I got the same charge out of both films. And yeah, and I'm thinking Captain America is looking like it's going to be fun too. Captain America is set has a very high bar to meet, but I think it's going to blow everything we've seen the, thus far away. I'm yeah, thinking, I'm thinking that's why they're timing it as such and everything that they're confident with. They seem confident with it, you know. 
Captain America is probably the one that I'm looking forward to the most of the of the movies this summer. I, I've got to say that actually X Men was probably the the lowest on my my list of stuff. Like, oh, I have to watch this for for the summer. But um, Thor was was the next one, and I still wanted to see both those. But I, I really don't go to the movies that often. It's just a pain in the butt for me to go to the movies because I've got to deal with. You know, the, the kid two seats over who wants to talk and then the guy who's sitting two seats ahead of me who wants to, you know, play around on his phone. And, and there's just no sense of decorum. It, it might just be where I live. I really don't even no, know. No, I had that go on at the theater. Okay. I saw um, X-Men in as well and was about two seconds away from shoving a phone up somebody's ass. So I was just yeah. going to say, that's what you use the Scott Gardner, you know, audio-visual rectal solution. Mm-hmm. Always just, seems to work well with me. Just bring your actual Thor hammer, and that, that'll. Take uh, you care bring of a Thor hammer, and if you're in a good mood, some Vaseline. I mean, the <laughs> only reason it really didn't happen is I had my youngest boy with me, and I didn't want to make a scene in front of him. But had I been there with anybody else or by myself, then that guy definitely would have had a trip to the proctologist after the movie. Because I, I fucking hate <laughs> that. It makes me crazy when I'm sitting there. And I'm really into what I'm watching, and some dumbass has to open up and start texting or something because my eye is instantly drawn to you know bright any... shiny things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with <laughs> with with Green Lantern, I specifically brought a a projector ring that projects the Green Lantern symbol up to fifty feet, so that if anybody's pissing me off, I'm just going to shine it right in their faces and just not stop. Read but, the oath, um, Adam. Yes, exactly. Brightest but, uh... day and blackest night, bitches. <laughs> I will kick your ass. Actually, <laughs> oh, God. In Gre- <laughs> hey, Green Lantern, Emerald Knights, the story that took that showed Kilowog's drill instructor, the guy was yelling during the fight, in brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight, you bastards. It's <laughs> <laughs> the most epic line ever. Rachel laughed so hard. But because I saw Green Lantern in the in the really expensive theater and 3D and everything, this was not a place where people brought their kids. And so it really worked out well. And everybody's enjoying it in 3D, so people aren't like looking away from the screen pretty much at all. And uh, it ended up being a really good experience. But I, I, like I said, I don't normally like going to the movies, and I had a, not, a, not a very good experience in Thor. But hey, what are you going to do? But now I'm just going to bring the projector ring with me wherever, whenever I go to the movies. <laughs> what, what did you think of Thor? Thor, I was Chris done. Oh, Oh, I'm done. Yes. Who cares? Okay. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) I'm being the polite one. Fuck all (laughs) y'all. I am polite, asshole. Uh, uh, Thor, I I, I think my biggest worry about Thor was not that the movie would be bad. I I fully expected it to be very good. I'm I'm a big fan of Kenneth Branagh. I'm kind of a Shakespeare nut myself, and so I've I've seen all the Kenneth Branagh directed movies and and as well as the ones that he starred in dead again is one of my favorite movies of all time so my worry wasn't that thor was going to be bad my worry was that thor might not work in the universe of the of of the avengers because it's not that he's magic based but he is sort well i mean he's a mythological character and so to take something like iron man and put that into the same universe Iron Man which I mean I, I wouldn't necessarily call that realistic or anything like that but you know it's grounded in, in a sense of reality and in would Earth Thor science, be able, yeah. yeah would Thor be able to actually translate to being in that universe and I think that it actually did quite well who has Marley's ghost in the background that would be me oh okay I think uh, I think they you will uh... be visited by three dogs <laughs> <laughs> But I was really excited about something at the moment. <laughs> Is that him humping your leg? Yeah. Oh, he's really excited about something at the moment. <laughs> well, I think. I, I think they sort of they, they sort of made Thor potentially uh, an interdimensional being too, you know, and uh, they, they yeah. gave him a sort of a scientific. Yeah, I, I definitely want to get to that point when when comes around my turn. So yeah, I definitely want to address that. What else you got, Jeffrey? Well, um, that's that's most of what I really wanted to say. I I thought that it turned out really well. Um, I especially liked 
um, there there are there are a few really great like oh my god I can't believe they they did that moments. Um, well, not that I can't believe that they did that, but for instance, I loved the fighting the the giant before they took Thor's powers away, because if they're going to take Thor's powers away, they they need to first show what it is that he's actually able to do, and I thought they did a great job with that when he goes flying straight at that thing. That was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. And the twirling of the hammer right out of the freaking comics. Yeah. Digging into the ground. It's yes. Yeah, that's awesome. I was, they did every Thorism throughout the film. That was one of the things when I saw that. I was sitting there going, yes! And then I afterwards I looked around to see if anybody else in the theater might be like rolling their eyes or going, oh, geez, that's corny. And nobody was, so I was really happy. Because it did look a little cartoony, but it looked cartoony in that like just pure geek moment way you know where i was just i was thrilled that that was one of the moments that actually made the movie for me is when they embraced something that's honestly one of the cheesier aspects of comic book thor but made it awesome i love that i thought that was great me too (laughs) okay i feel the same way i think it's keen well is it my turn? Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh-oh. All right. Well, right out of the gate. Dun, dun, yeah, I, I, I imagine there's a lot of people going, uh-oh. uh-oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Just fucking with you. I got to say, I am a huge Thor fan right up front. So I was a little nervous going into this movie because, you know, as we've seen plenty of times by now, whenever I'm a huge fan of something and I build up my expectations and I go to the movies, I'm generally crushed. I loved this movie. I thought it was awesome and I walked away going, now, God damn it, that's a good comic book movie. Because it was. It was a comic book movie. And that's what I liked about it. It didn't try to be overly artsy-fartsy. It didn't try to change the world. It wasn't trying to be, you know, the godfather in a cape. It was just a fun, lighthearted comic book movie, and I dug it. So, yeah, this movie really resonated with me very, very strongly. Um, I had just the minorest, minorest of, of quibbles with it. One of them is, honestly, I think it was just something I may have missed, so maybe you guys can fill me in on this, but the the whole thing about them being gods, I was a little bit confused at the beginning of the movie, because the movie starts, and Odin is basically recounting the story of the Norse gods, and then he kind of wraps up his story where he says, and you know, then we retreated from the realm of man and basically stuck to ourselves, and he's explaining this story to a you know young Thor and Loki. You know they're boys, so I was a little bit confused that well, how did human beings get to know Thor in the history of Thor as a god and everything? If they if the gods had retreated at a point before Thor even came into the story, I was really confused by that. Did I miss something? I don't think so. I think they did. <laughs> yeah, that that seems like for the sake of having a good narrative tool to introduce the world right that they kind of sacrifice something right um i don't know if they specifically did they specifically say you know the time of the vikings and all that yeah or okay so then they fucked up yeah that was at the beginning of the movie where they were showing like the frost giants came in and like wiped out that norse village and everything and then Odin came down with his armies and they had their big kick-ass battle and everything. And then Lo- Odin says something to the effect that, you know, after the battle was won and the war was over, that they basically retreated from the realm of man. And then it cuts to, you know, quote-unquote modern-day um, Asgard, where a still relatively young Odin is telling this story to boyish... Thor and Loki, you know, they're they're maybe teenagers at most. And that's how the movie starts. And right away I was thinking, no, you know, what, what, later on, a little bit later in the movie, you know, the old man starts to figure out, holy shit, this guy might really be Thor. And he opens up that book of like Norse mythology and he's explaining it to 
I think to Jane Foster, I forget, but he's explaining it to one of the other characters that, hey, I know this guy and I know this mythology. And I'm thinking, well, well you shouldn't. Because if Odin's story at the beginning of the movie was really true, then they left Earth before Thor as a, as a full-blown godlike being with you know Mjolnir and all that really came into the story so it was just one of those things I just happened to catch it didn't like ruin the movie for me but it definitely confused me there were a lot of moments where I was like how do they even know the whole god story of Loki and Thor and you know just the the mythology because according to Odin's own story the mythology kind of ends at a particular point so that that was a little bit weird I thought but again, it didn't it didn't ruin it for me. Maybe a subsequent rewatch will will clear it all up. Maybe I just missed something, but I did definitely notice that they were very very careful. Well, what is all that? Oh, okay. Then <laughs> it just went away. Um, that they were very careful about the use of of the word god or gods. I don't think they really play with that much at all they really kind of go with more of a uh, crystal skull interdimensional they, beings kind of they, they probably don't want to i mean when you look at like past movies that deal with i mean look at the shitstorm that happened when hercules came out as a disney movie right yeah um it's probably something they just wanted to avoid plus and i hate to say this i think one of the reasons why wonder woman doesn't work out for the general public unless what Linda Carter is playing the character is that John Q public doesn't give a crap about the Norse mythology. Right. So if you throw a lot at them, they might just like kind of grow disinterested. Whereas if you keep it kind of ambiguous and then you show them Thor kicking ass, it's more socially acceptable for lack of a better term. Right. right. It'll probably lead some teenagers into looking into their own, and on their own into Norse mythology, you know, to find the true, the true tale of Thor. Right. Yeah, it's it's all about doing it the right way. I mean, for instance, okay, we probably shouldn't talk too much about Green Lantern, but I do want to throw this out there. I I loved Oa. I loved when they went to Oa, and I especially loved that they didn't overuse it. That he didn't spend so much time on Oa that it ended up being the whole movie because it really is about Hal Jordan, and you you still need it. But if it were in a lot more of the film, I, I think that uh, your general public would have a harder time with it. Right. Which doesn't make it ambiguous, but just, you know, limiting the use of it. See, I thought that this movie, Thor, did a, a, a just a splendid job uh, of marrying up Asgard and, and Earth time. You know, that it, it, it was a really nice blend because I think if you had too much one way or the other then it changes kind of the tone of the character. And I really liked that. I thought they struck a, a pretty much perfect balance in this. Well, that's always the, the, the quote unquote problem with Thor. Right. Is because, you know, too much on earth, you know, you're kind of forgetting the character's roots too much in Asgard who, you know, not, you know, it may fall off. You do need to ride that fine line. And see, that's something I fully expected this movie to fail colossally at. I figured if they were going to have one problem with this movie, mm-hmm. it was going to be God uh, Thor's god status, is that somehow they would either end up sacrificing that part of the story because they didn't really want to tackle the whole Asgard thing, or they would go more with the Asgard thing, and then you would just have Lord of the Rings Part 4, you know? And I thought that they did it perfectly. I mean, they they really had a a nice blending to where there wasn't too much one way or the other, you know. And and I I walked away from the movie wanting more of both. So yeah, I really I like that. Um, just a couple other other uh, a couple other quick points. Um, my biggest trepidation going into the movie was uh, uh, what's his name Anthony. I always want to call him Anthony Perkins. Anthony Hopkins. Uh, who I'm sorry, I just don't like playing uh, Odin. He was great. I have to, I have to admit it. I, you know, I will eat crow on that one. He was great. I really liked him as Thor. I thought he did a really good job. You uh, don't like Anthony Hopkins? No, I do not. I can't stand him. But he was good in this. I, I enjoyed him. I thought he did a, a fine job. 
Part of it was he slept for a lot of the movie too, so that that helped. So <laughs> that does generally help. You <laughs> um, Chris Hem- Hemsworth as uh, Thor. He had charisma. He looked the part. I could have done with a little bit more Thor speak, which is something I understand is kind of a common, uh, I don't know, complaint, but a common suggestion is that I wish he'd spoken a little bit more, you know, classic comic book Thor with the these and thous. But that's, you know, it's a minor quibble. I really have absolutely no major bitches with this movie whatsoever. I really enjoyed it, so I'm not trying to tear it apart. And, and, and no one is more surprised than me. <laughs> really? I thought... Scott, I love you, and I'm not saying that you're always the contrarian, but sometimes when I really, really like something, you end up not liking it for some reason. And again, I'm not saying it as like a bad thing. I'm just saying it as something I've noticed, and I don't think it's on purpose. It's not like you hear I like it, so immediately you have to hate it. Oh, maybe sometimes. <laughs> um, but sometimes if I really, really dig something, I'm kind of. It's like when we're going to be discussing X Men. Uh, mm-hmm. for a future episode, but when I texted you that I thought it was a really good film, and you said you were going to go see it on my recommendation, I was a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how that shook out in a minute. Um, <laughs> but again, I, not, not trying to crap on you there. No, no, anything, not so. at all. Not at all. No, I no, I appreciate you saying that, honestly. Because, yeah, I mean, nobody was... I don't think anybody was more surprised than me um, with this one. Um, but Natalie Portman, you know... Pfft, I love her and everything she's in just because I've got the hots for her. And there was uh, or two other ones. Oh, um, Ray Stevenson. It's just neat to see him again. You know, I'm glad to see him getting work after The Punisher. I loved his Punisher movie. I thought he was a pretty good Volstag in this. He, they could have made him a little bigger because I really wanted to see Volstag as just this giant, huge, enormous, fat bastard. And he really wasn't. He was just like, you know, a portly guy. But I thought his portrayal of him was really good. And uh, I thought Frigga was com- completely wasted in this movie. I really wish that they had played her up a little bit more, but I liked the actress that played her. Um, oh, and uh, Sif was kind of wasted in this too. I thought, you know, just as as far, I mean, as far as like character potential. You you, you want to hear something really interesting about the actress that plays her? Mm-mm. Not only is she extraordinarily hot, yeah, because uh, I thought she was cute. She is a super nerd. Oh, really? They were interviewing her, and she was dropping comic book things and admitted that she used to wear a cape and that she really liked Superman. And Oh, cool. Yeah, so it, it, she apparently likes the material, and that's kind of interesting. <laughs> is is this the girl who played Tina Greer on Smallville that you're talking about? No. No, Sif. No. She, she was Sif. the dark-haired, dark-haired uh, goddess. She hung okay. out with the Warriors 3. Yeah, she came down right. with the Warriors okay. 3 and kicked a lot of ass. But, but Tina Greer from Smallville was also extremely hot. Yeah, I guess yeah. I shouldn't say that she was wasted. It's just I was a little bit surprised that she was even in the movie if they weren't going to play up the aspect that she was Thor's betrothed or whatever the hell relationship they Because in the comics, weren't, wasn't she like his betrothed or she was at least his romantic interest for a time in the comics and I was surprised that they even included her in this if if, she was not playing that dynamic in this if I'm remembering the crash course on Thor that I got through Marvel noise she was involved with him at one point but the thing is one she brings in a, a female character into a movie predominantly cast with dudes um, so she, she, she does give a little more, not so much eye candy, because she was just as much of a warrior as the Warrior 3 was, especially the guy that really, really apparently wants to play the classic uh, Neil Adams, Oliver Queen, Green Arrow. Right, um, yeah. But uh, I, I think I think if you would have had any kind of romantic tension between the two of them, it would have thrown off Thor being in love with Jane Foster. So you really couldn't mention it. Well, see, I, I, that's what I was thinking, too. But at the same, you know, the, the last thing I would have liked to have seen this movie do was turn into Spider-Man 3, where you've just got too much shit happening in one movie. But at the same rate, I think there would have been a really interesting dynamic if toward the end of the movie, where they all come down um, to Earth from Asgard, if she had shown up, seen, seen Thor's, you know, uh whatever was going on between him and Jane Foster and been like, bitch, you're no goddess, you know? 
and and then you, you know then you've got a bit of a cat fight between Jane Foster and an this actual hot. Yeah, I think that could have been interesting, you know. But as I say, you know, it had enough going on as it was, so I understand why they didn't go that direction. I mean, there was already a lot of stuff happening in this one movie, so. Um, just last two things, well, actually, last three things real quick. Totally agree with you, Mike. You totally th- stole my thunder about the uh, the hammer scene and Loki coming to talk to Thor in prison. I love that. It's probably my favorite part of the whole movie. Um, just the fact that he couldn't lift the hammer, because I was expecting this huge clap of thunder and a total like you know shazam moment and when it didn't happen i was like now that's cool that was a nice twist that i had not anticipated at all i thought that was really neat um i thought the destroyer was beaten just a little too handily but that's a minor you know again it's a minor quibble they had to wrap the movie up um biggest complaint though i have to be honest about this this one is a bit of a complaint when Thor is, I guess he's killed, or at least he's like mortally wounded and he's laying there and then Mjolnir just comes flying out of nowhere, lands in his hand and he transforms. I'm sorry, dude, maybe it's the Disney in me, but I just was totally thinking Beauty and the Beast. Uh, it just really, really <laughs> struck me that this was the uh, I love you beast moment and he transforms into the handsome prince, you know? Like I say, it's a minor thing, but I just couldn't escape it. You know, when that happened, I was like, that's kind of cheesy. But then he's the ass kicking Thor in the actual suit with the actual cape flying around and doing all his Thor stuff and doing the propeller thing with Mjolnir. I, from that point, I was hooked. You know, or I mean, I had already been hooked, but I mean, I was uh, always forgiven with the little Beauty and the Beast thing. But I, I thought it was a it was a little I, silly. I have a I have a question for a group and a question for Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, question for the group: Does anybody want to see the deleted scene of Thor and that guy getting into a bar fight that they talked about uh, when he goes out drinking with the guy after he's released from Shield custody, oh, and then he yeah. then he brings him back? He's like, <laughs> he fought well. He did by, he did right by his ancestors. I hope there is a deleted yeah. scene of that fight on the DVD. Well, well I was going to say oh, from what Scott awesome was if saying, it was Wolverine. That would be cool. Well, well they couldn't it, do that though, could they? It's too yeah, bad. Yeah, they can't do that. Oh, that would it's too bad. Oh. And 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 I just want to see one of the guys like sitting at the bar drinking his beer and it, after the fight's over and just saying the guys at the AA meeting are not going to believe this. <laughs> um, my question to Scott is, what did you think of the score? <laughs> Oh, shit, I had that in my notes, too, and I totally skipped over it. Well, you know, you, you just paid me such a such a compliment about, you know, what you were saying, that, you know, I'm, I'm frequently pissing on your parade, and I wasn't doing it in this instance. So I, I didn't want to come back and then afterwards piss on your parade. But I have to be honest, I, Zip. I didn't care so much for the score. I mean, I thought th- this was a classic example of a score that works very well in the movie, but I like scores that I can listen to outside the movie and they they bring me back or they give me a flavor of the film or whatever. Outside of the movie, I find this to be kind of a bland score, but maybe it'll grow on me in time. I mean, I've only listened to it a few times since I've got it, so, you know. I still have to get that from you, too. Yeah, that's how, that's how I felt about the new Star Trek score the Giacchino Star Trek score and that's that grown, grown on, me. on me. Yeah, yes. yeah. Maybe this one will too, but part of it, in, in complete fairness, part of it is that this is kind of the way that film scores are starting to evolve and I've really noticed this with guys like um, um, James Newton Howard and uh, who is the guy that scored this movie? Patrick Doyle. Patrick Doyle, those kind of guys. They're all of a certain age and of a certain class a lot of them are friends and they work together or they they come out of the same uh grouping and stuff that they're starting to get away from what i like to think of as traditional movie scores the john williams-esque movie scores where they have a clear and distinct theme and themes for different characters maybe themes for different sequences that sort of thing and they're getting more back to this I hate to say backgroundish, but it is kind of a backgroundish score. It's, yeah, it's, it's mood, mood music. Mood it's music, it's yeah. atmospheric and mood yeah. moody. 
It's like here's an action scene. But I mean, I, a, where, where is it's it's a lot more expensive to score it down to the action and score it down right. to the character and stuff like that, and it takes probably a lot longer. But it, it has definitely, you know, it, it's definitely bothered me that we've had now some fantastic superhero movies come out of Marvel here lately. You know, we've had two fantastic Iron Man movies. We had a great Hulk movie, Thor, X Men, all these different movies coming out. Yet none of them have I walked out of the movie theater going, you know, cross the rainbow bridge of As. I mean, there was no theme for this movie whatsoever. Thor doesn't have a theme, and that kind of sucks. I really wanted to come out with some some majestic theme in my head, you know, Superman the movie style, and that just didn't happen. So that was kind of disappointing. But you know, is it a bad score? No, it just wasn't. Di- you know, it wasn't memorable. I guess is my biggest complaint with it, but. Not bad at all. I mean, they could have done worse. They could have put some stupid rock thing behind it or something, or well, you know, had Thor, you know, with some prince. Yeah, you know, or, or MC Hammer. I really expected we would get to the end of the movie and have Hammer Time as the. the oh my god! <laughs> I'm sh- I shit you not. I was totally expecting Hammer Time at the end of this movie, and I'm so thankful that didn't. Happen. Hammer man, Hammer, Hammer man. Hammer. Hey, before I forget. I have a big surprise to spring on you guys for this episode. Uh oh. Alright, yep. <laughs> here we go. Let me add in. What? Oh no. Oh Christ. Oh, come on. Oh god. Oh, <laughs> come on. Uh oh, is he asleep? Maybe he fell asleep waiting for us. Oh, oh. Now, who let this asshole in? Jesus Christ. This is your surprise? Yep. Surprise! What the fuck? This is I thought this was a porn room. Shit! <laughs> With a bunch of dudes. I always knew there was something funny about you, Shag. I'm glad I put my pants back on. <laughs> oh, man. Welcome to the show, the irredeemable Shag. Hello, hello, hello. And after this one, Shag and I are going to get together and argue about Green Lantern. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, Shag... Oh, come- I thought I'd just come on here and tell all you boys that you're fucking wrong, and then tell you how Even it really me? was. Tell us. We all said we really liked Thor. Well, you must have heard me talk about it before then and changed your opinion. Ah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I am not a Thor fan. I, outside of Walt Simonson's run and Warren Ellis' run, when Thor shows up in a comic book, I, I, I typically go, ah, fuck, I'm going to wipe my ass with this one. And I don't care for him. I think he's a waste. I think he's overpowered. I think he just it doesn't work. And then this movie was so damn good. Um, certainly, there's things you can pick apart in it. Absolutely. But, man, it was fun. It was a fun movie. And I uh, really dug that. And um, I'll just go straight where, I, you know, where you would expect me to go. Natalie Portman's so hot that it, I'm so glad she was in the film. I already beat really We've mentioned it. that. I already We've mentioned that. I, 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 I will add this. Even the geeky girl was hot. Yes. Portman now, is that the small, Smallville girl that you were talking about? No. Who's the Smallville girl you were, you were talking about before? She's the one that played the teleporter on Smallville in seasons three and four. No, I mean, who was she in this movie? She, she was a, a shapeshifter. Oh, Tina Greer? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Who, who, who she was, was she in, in this film? She was the the girl driving the van with Natalie Portman and, and the guy. Yeah, are the geek you, girl, you, yeah. Are you sure that was her? I think so. I thought she... I, I, if I had my choice, I probably would have taken her over Natalie Portman. Because I recognized her from the trailer of Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Dude, I, I would I, take, I'd take Natalie Portman any mistaken. way I can. <laughs> that is true. Upside which down. Way would, would you? Could you? In a train? Right. Beat me to it. Beat me to it, my Volkswagen friend. In a very uncomfortable place. Yes. I. She could be in bed eating live bear, and I would let her stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you, so, Shaq. I have not heard that particular euphemism before. Yeah. So, excellent. Natalie, if you're listening. Uh... <laughs> can you have access to a live bear that you want? And you have access to a live bear. You got yeah, you got Shag's number, and we make it a party, which I'm sure she's been waiting for all these years. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to vamp for a minute to be able to find this, but I think I finally found it. Shag, you said you hate when Thor shows up, but I must ask you if you've ever read the classic uh, 
uh, Count Nefaria storyline that happened. I know, I'm not sure where the story starts, but I know it, it, it at least encompasses one uh, Avengers 165 and 166. I have not. Yeah, when Thor shows up in that, it's the, oh, fuck, it is on moment. So, yeah, before you diss my boy Thor, go check that shit out because it's excellent. Because basically what happens is uh, Count Nefaria, who was a pretty lame-ass villain up to that point, he gets some sort of, like, super trust. He basically becomes the Superman of, but like an evil Superman of the Marvel Universe, and he's just wiping the fucking floor with the Avengers, and then suddenly Thor shows up, and it's a classic Superman versus Thor fight way, way, way before Avengers versus JLA. So check that out. Tell me what you New, think of it. Newsflash, Scott. He's still a lame-ass villain. Who's that, Count Nefaria? Yeah. In that particular story, though, he was pretty badass. Whoa, who is this baby you just sent me a picture of? That's the girl that played Tina Greer. Yeah, that was my mistake. They do look similar. I was trying to, uh, I was trying to do that off air, but okay. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm gonna be muted no, for the next five to ten minutes. So, <laughs> my father. What uh, what did you specifically like about it, Jack? Because uh, we've just been going through our thoughts on it. Uh, I will say this right off the bat: uh, there's a lot of corny, corny Silver Age shit in Thor in the comic that you just got to swallow if you're going to get through it. And I will say, adapting the Rainbow Bridge from the comic to the movie the way they did it was the most brilliant Silver Age adaptation of anything I've ever seen. The Rainbow Bridge was so insanely cool in the movie. Yes. I, it's yeah. the first time I've ever looked at it and not thought that is freaking ridiculous. It was. Awesome. I'll give you that. That scene was good. Shag, you you, you haven't been listening, obviously, because you were here, but um, I've been just hating on this movie from the very beginning. <laughs> and, but I'll give it that. That was a pretty decent scene. That but scene then he realized awesome. we, we, we weren't talking about the porno version and that we were talking about the actual version, and he yes. changed his mind completely. So it's Yes, okay. that, that, that one was Thor of Asgard. <laughs> <laughs> Thor and Sif make T-H-O-R-E, yes. Thor of Asgard. Exactly. Uh, I, I mentioned this before, Shag. Did you know that she's a fangirl? Who is Sif? Yeah. I, I'm okay with that. She was, yeah. she, was, she, she was easy on the eyes as well. <laughs> were there any characters that were missing? Because I kept thinking that there was somebody that should have been in the movie that wasn't, and I, I, I came up empty on that. Um, Maybe Balder? Was Balder in the movie? I can't remember Balder being in the I, I don't. I don't believe Baldur the Brave was in the film. Well, wait. Eh, he may have had a bit part. Well, I also I noticed that they kind of treated Thor like he was Loki. Uh, excuse me, not Loki. Uh, Odin's only son, and doesn't Odin have older sons than Thor? Probably just for the sake of the film. Yeah, but I think you they know, do that in the comics too. Now that I think about well, it, yeah. I, there's there's Frankie and there's Billy. Well, well when you <laughs> Zeppo. When when you really break the plot, oh, go ahead, Shag. I'm sorry. I had not. Go ahead. Okay. When you break down the, <laughs> we broke Shag. Um, when you break down the plot of this film, it's one son, the arrogant son being cast out of the kingdom by his father, while the other son son vies for the throne, and that's a very Shakespearean plot, which is why I think they went with Branna to do Thor. So to involve other sons would muddy the issue. You know, I, I, I don't know why I'm being so pragmatic about the, the comic book films I've seen this year where I'm like excusing things just because it well, works better for the movie. But I'll bet I you, I'll bet you Branagh film, I'll bet you there were other sidelines. Like Scott was saying earlier about the, the female character that wasn't sort of used in there. Maybe Maybe when we get the DVD and we see outtakes, they'll, you know, maybe he... He did film some of that stuff and uh, mercilessly edited it down to keep the movie moving. Which whatever he did, he kept it moving from beginning to end. You never, you know, never got boring. What did you think of Hawkeye, Shaq? Oh, I was fucking cheering. Now, it was such a bit part that it really is of no consequence unless you are an Avengers fan, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's not like you walk away from the film going, "Damn, Hawkeye was cool." It's just well, a guy. He but did have I, one of the best lines in the film, though. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> you guys better take him down soon, because I'm starting to cheer for him. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Now, can it be <laughs> negative for a minute? Because there's some negative things to say. What did about you think of BJ Honeycutt and Trapper John? What? Never mind. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nobody gets that from? joke. All right, never mind. It's, it's a mash joke. It's a mash joke. I know, I know who they are, but why? Because the because of the tens. Because a Hawkeye. He asked you what you thought of Hawkeye, uh, so I. Never wow. mind. If I gotta explain you, the joke, it obviously wasn't really, funny. So oh, really, I get it. I'll mute myself and look at that you girl made again. A funny. You should have made a last of the Mohicans joke. That one's had Hawkeye in it. What didn't it? That's you could have mentioned Winchester like or Hot <laughs> Winchester. Or something. That movie yeah. should have had Winchester in it. You had to go. Well, and Martian Manhunter wasn't in the film. See, now there's a there's a reference for you. Um. <laughs> anyway, so what did I think of Hawkeye? Uh. Anyway, he was cool. I was cheering for him. Uh, oh, can I can I can I bash on something though? Sure. Okay. There is one huge thing in the film that I just still cannot accept is that Thor is this guy. He's a god. He's been around for centuries. He's an incredibly arrogant guy, and in less than twenty four hours, he becomes humble, and it, it's, it's he's all fixed in less than twenty four hours, and it's all because of this cute girl who, even though she was incredibly vital to the story because of her pure hotness. She really didn't. wasn't necessary. So you're saying that Natalie Portman couldn't turn you totally around in 24 hours? Perhaps she could, but she was not really. <laughs> but you're not Thor, is that what you're saying? Right. I loved how they kept hitting him. With she the would car. be Thor afterwards. Let me tell you that much. Oh, well played, Whoa. sir. Hollow her out like a Thanksgiving turkey. Oh, going. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah, awesome. Yikes. I like movies with happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, parents, don't let your kids listen to this podcast. Oh, too late. I'll send you some links after we're done, Jeffrey. Because <laughs> all the F-bombs, you know, weren't any indication of that. Mommy, did Daddy hollow you out like a Thanksgiving turkey? <laughs> no, because Daddy's hung like a Kodiak bear. No, <laughs> no more two true freaks for you, or a gorilla. Boy. God damn it! I screwed up the joke. Never mind. See, no. see, even I know your pet peeve, and I went, I got there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's my big beef is that you know he's, there's no way he's going to be a better person in 24 hours, and she really wasn't necessary to the story. As as cool and odd she as she was, you could have done the movie without her. I mean, the only thing he did to help her in the whole film was he like he casually reached over and grabbed a notebook. That's all he did for her really in the whole movie. <laughs> well, well he never got a chance to do the other thing that would have really helped I her out. I think so. he moistened her drawers pretty <laughs> sufficiently, but that's you know that's just a well, with those apps he moistened mine. What, but what uh, did you all think of the use of the, the name Donald Blake? I, if so that's all we ever get of it, I'm perfectly content of that because that's one aspect I'm so happy that eventually was dropped from Thor. Because let me tell you, as somebody who's uh, very slowly making his way through the old essentials of Thor, the whole Don Blake thing just doesn't work. I'm sorry. I thought it was a nice throwaway line. But yeah. Feel free they, they, to disagree. If you guys disagree, I definitely want to hear a, a defense made for Donald Blake. No, man. Well, no, there there are superheroes who just opinion. don't need secret identities. Right. Yeah, my, my concern is they'll try and do something actually with that later. And then, it's, oh, I really hope not. So as long as it was just a throwaway line, like you guys said, I'm, I'm fine with it. So, yeah. See, I think if they were going to do something with it later, we would have actually seen Donald Blake at right. some point. You know, right. they would have actually shown him to us and had him getting broken up with or whatever, you know, by Natalie Portman. And that would have been... It see, till the next movie or whatever, you know, like Billy D. Williams in the original Batman movie. See, I can totally see, <laughs> like in the Avengers movie, if when Thor comes to Earth, I can see it done almost as a gag where they dress him up in normal clothes, they give him a pair of glasses to wear, and they call him Donald Blake so that he can mingle among Earthmen or some shit like that. But I'm talking the classic comic book, he stamps his cane or stamps his hammer and becomes one or the other. And yeah, he's basically Billy Batson. Yeah, because they they were not, well, I say they, Stan Lee, ultimately, and I'm not dissing Stan, love Stan Lee, practically worship the guy, but that was one instance where I think Stan, I don't know if he just didn't know where he was going or he just had too many uh, irons in the fire or what, but the whole dynamic of Don Blake doesn't work because one day Don Blake 
you know, becomes Thor and he still has the mind of Donald Blake going, holy shit, I'm in a god's body, kind of like you said, Chris, all Billy Batson style. And then two issues later, Thor and Donald Blake are two completely different people, whereas Thor is the god and Donald Blake is the mortal that, you know, so then it becomes the Marvel's version. Whoa, whoa. Are you saying that Stan Lee was inconsistent in the writing? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Yes, I am saying that. <laughs> I am I am appalled, sir. I, I you know, it, it's not like he called one of his main characters Peter Palmer <laughs> or Bob Banner. Oh jeez. Or no. Superman. Well, what's your take on the on the Don Blake <laughs> thing, Mike? Cuz you got real quiet when I said I didn't want to see Don Blake. Do you want to <laughs> see Don Blake? Um, I I'm indifferent. Uh, I got quiet cuz you were talking. Uh, I was trying to be respectful. For I never stopped you any other huh. time. Well, I, I was know, like, "What? What the hell is he? T- what the hell is that? It, the word you used? I'm the not the R word. word. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia right now. There's, there's got to be something about this on the internet. Um, <laughs> Send me a link, and I'll have it in Wikipedia. I'll have it fixed in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like when I was working nights back in '97, and a friend of mine were going out in the day, and I said, "What's this glowing orb in the sky?" He goes, "Let's check some newspapers." <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the sky I, is falling. I think within the stories they were a part of, they work out fine. Um, the dynamic is interesting, mainly because it brings the drama of, you know, Donald Blake and Thor are in love with Jane Foster. Jane Foster's in love with Donald Blake, but she may not have the hots for Thor, or however it works, because my, my knowledge of Thor in the comics is very limited. However, getting rid of it, I'm also good with. It's, it, it's one of those things where I can take it or leave it. I don't think they should establish it now, in the movies, because I think that you know that train has left. You can't go back and say, "Oh, now if they put a pair of glasses on him in a suit and call him Sven, whatever they called him during the Walt Simonson run, that would be cool." That would be cool because for, for two reasons. For one, it would be a nice sight gag in the movie that most everybody's going to get and think is funny. Plus, I think it would be a nice homage to that actual story, which itself was a sight gag because it was Walt Simonson kind of poking fun at Superman because in that part, he actually walks past Clark Kent and Lois and Lane and says something to the effect of that would never... pick up their glasses. Yeah, and... yeah. I would love that if they threw that into the... You know, just... They don't even have to, to keep it, but just for a moment, just to throw the gag out there, I think. Now, it if you were going to do that, you were going to do it right. What you would do is have Brandon Routh walk by him in glasses. <laughs> that would be ballsy for them to try to pull off, but I was I would be down for that. That would be excellent. It should be Dean Kane. <laughs> any any past Superman would work. Get the guy who plays Superboy. Let's 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 dig up Christopher Reeve's corpse and prop it up. On I'm a talented, oh, I'm a talented puppeteer. <laughs> oh, with that, I think this episode's three. officially over. You guys just completely. You want to end it on that note? <laughs> wow. Well, I'll end it on this. Um, we're gonna um, we're gonna all reconvene to discuss the uh, the next one, which was. X-Men First Class. Shag, are you able to stick around? I can hang around for a while to talk about that. Cool. That's for sure. Anybody, any last thoughts on uh, Thor? Did awesome. I mention Natalie Portman's hot? Mm-hmm. I walked away from it ready for Thor 2, so... That's I could good... use some... Yeah. Electric, use some electric Boogaloo? <laughs> I, I, I totally know CPR. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good uh, suggestion for Thor too. I hadn't really thought about that, but what would we want to see in a Thor too? Because we... Beta Ray Bill. Ah, Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. No, that would be stupid. No. I love I love Beta Ray Bill, but it would have to be a CGI monster or a human. And either way, it. I think it's one of those stories that works in a comic book format. I think you need something like Curse or something because you know or. Okay, I don't know my... Devastator, is that what the name of the big droid thing was? The Destroyer. Destroyer. That thing, this segment was so small in the film that I think you could have a film of Thor fighting a big monster. So someone like Curse or someone like that, would, I think, would work well. See, I was just thinking for myself, they already gave me the one villain, you know, quote-unquote villain that I wanted to see him fight, which was the Destroyer. So what the hell could they, they do to top that with me? And then it suddenly occurred to me, I don't think they would ever, ever do it. 
but I would love to see a classic Thor versus Hercules fight on the big screen. That you know what? could fucking you, rock. You know who they should bring in? And I'm, this isn't even me joking. Have Loki enchant the fucking Wrecking Crew. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Hell yeah, I could go for that. That's, that's actually... Yeah. That's good. That's really good. You, I mean... You got, did, you, did someone feed you that line? Because that's good. I fucking hate you, Shag. I fucking hate hey, you so much. I missed you so much. There you are. Hey, there you go. We're going to see each other in about two months. Aww. And you're going to punch me dead in the face. <laughs> sorry sorry for the love in there, guys. Anyway. <laughs> if Luke doesn't kill Ravenface first. Yeah, get a room, you guys. No shit. <laughs> this one time I saw these two dudes making out on a park bench. That was the gayest thing I ever saw until I heard that. <laughs> Till this podcast? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was me and Mike on the park bench. So what's yeah. that? <laughs> this might be the tagline for this episode. Back to Friends, <laughs> now the gayest podcast on the internet. I'm not sure. Wait, I would very much bet that it is not. Yeah, I would very much bet that it is not. Try as you guys might. I don't think it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.libsyn.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzocor of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcast.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.